this uh, I knew this segment of radio was coming since Friday Night Wolf. Okay. That was a rough one. That was. That 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 was hard to watch. I let my guard down for about 30 seconds because anybody that is an ASU fan knows that you never feel comfortable about a win. You just don't, right? No matter who they're playing, especially a big win. You just you never feel like, okay, we got we got this one. But ASU Basically, the first half was almost a continuation of what they were doing to uh, Nevada on Wednesday. Um, But that wasn't what made me feel like, okay, it was when Mike Miles went down and it looked like his career was over. And I wasn't rooting for that. But when it's like, okay, if Mike Miles isn't going to play and ASU is going to be up double digits, I don't love TCU's chances. I wasn't leading a parade down the street, but I was like, oh, they may actually do this. Exactly. And then he proceeded to come back and deliver like an all-timer performance. So, And ASU still almost won the game, but did not. So very, very difficult to watch. Um, You mentioned the fact that we're playing so well, especially in that first half where they were up, what was it, seven? Up by seven points, 44 to 37. As a matter of fact, they were up by seven at the half. And um, playing very, very well, I thought, especially on the defensive side of the ball. It just, to see them be so close and then watch TCU go on a devastating 13 to 2 run, that was hard to watch. It was the full ASU experience. They they went up by 11 with 16.34 to go in the second half. Wow. So at that point, you, you didn't know how how long Miles was going to be able to, to play and contribute. They had the Frankie Collins dunk right out of the gate in the second half. And then you had Des Cambridge uh, hit that shot to put ASU up by 11. And you're thinking, okay, I mean, the way they're playing... You know, TCU is a good team, obviously, out of the Big 12. It's not a shock that TCU was able to, to come back, but you just figured the way ASU was playing and the way they were scoring, which is not typically their, their – it's not their strong suit in terms of consistency. You know, we talked about how the defense is pretty consistent with ASU, but we have 52 points early in the second half. You're this thinking was, like, okay, and then the wheels just cruel. come off. No. That's why it was the full ASU experience. And, and the reason why it was cruel, though, Luke, is because think about it. 64%. When was the last time they shot 64% as a team? It, it, it was a decade, right? It was yeah, a decade. I it was a decade. Since it was a decade actually, since they had 98 points. I know that. Yeah, 64%. And here they are in the first half against TCU. They're shooting 59% yeah. in the first half. That's why it was so cruel. They were playing, oh my goodness, they look so good. DJ, DJ Horn hitting some critical shots. He looked like, okay, this guy is getting ready. I guess we're playing for Keith. I would have liked to have seen DJ Horn get to take more shots than some of the other individuals yes. who were missing a lot late. And, and not only that, too, in the first half, though, TCU shot 39%. They held them to 39%. You talk about it being an extension of the Nevada game. That's, to me, the extension. The defensive end of the floor and how well they were playing in that first half, and yet here they were still shooting 59% from the field. Vince had the stat this morning. It was... um Anytime this season ASU has hit the 46% from the field mark, anytime they hit that number for a game, they were undefeated. 
Until Friday, when they shot 48.1 for the whole game because they just fell apart in the second half shooting-wise. So that was the first time all season they shot over 46% and lost a game. Now, what I will say, um, taking a step away from, from that game specifically, Wolf, the two of their best games this season were their two tournament games, which I think is a pretty good... I don't want to say sign like that's going to carry over to next year, but that's a good thing when you when you're getting up and playing your best games in the tournament. And the game against Nevada was probably their best game, and I, I do think they played a pretty good game against TCU. Just couldn't hit a shot for a good stretch there in the second half, which, like I said, is the ASU experience. We saw them look amazing in the first half and not be able to hit a shot at, at parts of the second half. No idea. Just to your point right there, what was amazing about that, especially in the first half, was the fact that there was a three minute and nineteen second scoreline streak for ASU. Mm-hmm. Three minutes and 19 seconds, and TCU only closed the gap by four after they were down by 11 yeah. to seven. That I mean, that shows you the kind of defense they were playing. They were balling out on the defensive end of the floor, and not so much in the second half, especially in crunch time. No, and, and every year there seems to be a reminder for a few teams got to hit your free throws in the second half of a of a one and done game where you can eliminate somebody obviously because it's a one and done game. Here's Bobby Hurley after the game. They asked him, "What is the state of the program now?" You know, between the the Arizona buzzer beater and the run in the Pac-12 tournament and winning probably the one of the biggest games in your time here against Nevada the other night, um, there's certainly been a lot of positives up until this moment, and certainly a great game played tonight. Um, where do you feel that the state of this program is entering? You know, the off season and, and trying to um, get back here to the tournament. After a really good run. Did you watch the game? That's the state of the program. <laughs> you still got Bobby Hurley in game mode right there. That's the state of the program. Um, I mean, spot on. Great first half, kind of eh, second half. They could do anything. First half, they looked like they could beat anybody. You think that's what he was implying? No, I don't. No. I, I think, but I'm just saying it's ironic. <laughs> no, that's, it's just, that is kind of what he wide, said. Dude, is there anything else you want to? Let's listen to some more Bobby Hurley because that right there, you want to talk about a hanging Chad? There's the hanging Chad right there. Yeah, here's one Did more. Did you watch the game? That's the state of the program. Here's another one from Hurley. Just heartbroken for these guys giving me everything they had all year. Just uh, really uh, uh, advanced Arizona State basketball and, uh, you know, played winning basketball all year. You know, played unselfishly, played resilient, battled and fought. And it would take, you know, the last shot, you know, to put us away. Um, So I'm uh, just extremely proud and have all the respect in the world for our effort tonight. So So he's meaning that in a good way. Yeah, he is. Now, my question is, is he meaning it in a past tense way? Because he's got one more year on his contract, I believe. And I think I'll just say it again. I think it would be a huge mistake if they let him go. You know? um, and I know that's a polarizing conversation within the ASU fan community. But again, I just want to take a step back and have the perspective here. They just won 23 games. They are consistently around it, whether they get in or not. It's not where you ultimately want to be. I get that. But what was this? His eighth year? His seventh year that actually had a postseason because of the pandemic wiping out 2020s. They would have been in the NCAA tournament four of eight years so far. And... I do think he's figuring out how to play the transfer portal game pretty well. They just won 23 games, and some of these guys, some of the biggest names weren't on this team before. 
I just I don't know that I trust ASU to find a good replacement if they don't you know extend him or maybe you could just play it out this upcoming year and see but if there's any sort of animosity behind the scenes or ASU's like hey this is these are the facilities deal with it like they're fine you can play in them but it's a huge disadvantage in terms of recruiting I'm sure I just think you need to try to find a way to keep him here more than just one more year and certainly at least one more year yeah you know JG Jonathan Gannon loves to say you need to be where your feet are and it's a great way of saying, don't, don't look down the road and think of what you should be doing. Don't look behind you, as a matter of fact, and reminisce about what it is that you have done. Be where your feet are right now. And that is the way you've got to evaluate what is going on with Bobby Hurley and this program. Be where your feet are right now. And when you start taking off the rose-colored glasses, I think you see clearly that for ASU to think that they're going to go get somebody else and bring them in here and suddenly you're going to have a top 25 school, I just... I think you're wrong. I just don't on even that. know who, who that name is. Uh, exactly. I, I don't know who you would go get to bring him in and pay somebody that kind of money to bring him in here when I think Bobby Hurley has done an excellent job provided what uh, the resources you have here at ASU. Yeah, and, and it's tough to, to build continuously year to year in college basketball. Now, obviously, look at North Carolina. Of all schools in the Final Four last year, didn't even make the tournament this year, so I get that. But you could sell me a lot e- more easily that Bobby Hurley's maybe pushing them in the right direction and maybe they are building something better than just, than just making the tournament than you could, hey, we're going to bring in this guy to replace him that has no experience or, you know, he coached wherever, some tiny school. I, I just... I don't know, man. You just won 23 games. I, I think you need to try and build off this a little bit. All right, we come back. We'll get back into football. Could Lamar Jackson be a Patriot? There are people that, there are more and more people seemingly that believe that. We'll get into it next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Okay, before we get into the uh, Lamar Jackson stuff, Wolf, yeah. I'm going to let you listen to Allison Chains for a Thank second. You. I heard this. I got in the car this morning, yeah. and this song was just randomly on. That's right. Oh, really? Yeah. I was like, oh, it's going to be one of those days. I got you. It's not even like on my phone. Like, it was just on the radio when I turned my stats. I started my day. I turned my car on, and this was playing. Beautiful. Um, you were ready. You were jacked uh, up. Oh, potted up. Okay. Trying to make sure I read this right. Now maybe I'll bring this up later on in the show. I'm just looking at the uh, all those sites are sending out the betting odds for who's gonna, who's the the favorite in each NFL division, and they're changing like dramatically okay, just based really? on free agency. Yeah. yeah, here we go. But I want to read deeper into that before I actually uh, say anything on the air. But um, let's uh, let's go with Lamar Jackson. And I know this came up last week, right at the end. We just kind of threw it in the show. Rob Ninkovich was saying, "Hey, maybe the Patriots should go after." Um, Lamar Jackson, and and I kind of laughed it off, and I think you did even more than laugh it off. Um, But now there seems to be, I don't want to say traction like it's going to happen, but there seems to be more of an appetite for that possibility 
out there that it maybe could happen. And um, I, I still, I don't know, I don't know that I see it, Wolf. Yeah. There was a story on Nesson over the weekend picking up, I think it was Jeremy Fowler, nothing's opening on my computer. I'm pretty sure it was Jeremy Fowler who had mentioned it <laughs> in a story. Um that Lamar Jackson could not only impact what the Patriots do, he could potentially impact what a team like the Colts does in the draft, just in terms of how desperate they might be to move up, because in the back of their mind, they might think, hey, if it's going to get ridiculous to move up for the third pick, we'll just go out and get Lamar. Now, I said that to you before the show, and you said, it's not as easy as just going out and getting Lamar. First of all, listen, anyone who's listened to me over the last two decades, you know that I love Lamar Jackson. Um, yeah, he hasn't been around for two decades, but anyone who has listened to me, you know I've talked about him in the past, and the love and affection that I have for this guy, based on how he plays the game and he plays the game with abandon it's not really a surprise to me that Lamar Jackson went ahead and bet on himself bet on himself and said you know what that's great Uh, I'm going to go ahead and play I'm going to play without a multi-year contract I'm not going to sit down I'm going to go play it it's not a surprise it's who he is it's the guy that he is it's one of the reasons why his teammates just revere him That's the only word that really applies to Lamar Jackson. It's because of how he plays the game and because of his belief in himself and what he's done. Um, But just going to get a Lamar Jackson, that takes a plan. You just don't go get Lamar Jackson, if that makes sense. It it does. And so let me set this up a little bit. We had, uh, so Dan Graziano last week said, you know, maybe, maybe, uh, how did he say it? He said, don't rule the Patriots out. Um, That that was Dan Graziano's come. Now, this is uh, Jeremy Fowler on SportsCenter over the weekend. Just talking about Lamar, not necessarily Patriots, said right now there's, quote, right now there's no real firm offer sheet for Lamar Jackson that I'm aware of. Teams are probably slow playing this. The draft could be a good indicator because you have a team like the Colts at number four. If they feel like they can't get the quarterback of the future they wanted to draft, maybe they pivot to Lamar Jackson. The Jets, if they strike out with Aaron Rodgers, certainly that's not expected. That's not my fault. I was reading a quote. They could pivot. And then you got some wild cards like Tennessee or New England, teams that like to run the ball. You never know, unquote. Now, just for clarity's sake, me saying A-Rod's name in there is not my fault. I was quoting Jeremy Fowler. (laughs) So the A-Rod free zone is still intact. That's so good. I love that, Luke. Well done by you. Um, Okay, so we were talking about it. It takes a plan. See, that's the funny thing. I have to laugh when you say, you know what, we'll just go get Lamar Jackson. We'll, We'll just go ahead and pivot. That's all we'll do. Yeah, we'll pivot. That's such a popular word now. It is. Pivot. We'll go ahead and we'll just pivot to Lamar Jackson. I always think of the episode of Friends where Ross just keeps yelling pivot when they're moving the couch. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I think when you I hear the word pivot. You don't just pivot to Lamar Jackson. You don't just go get Lamar Jackson. Unless you're already running the kind of offense he needs to be involved in. What kind of offense are you running right now? It's the reason why you don't just pivot to Lamar Jackson. Do you have the players to execute that kind of offense? So not only do you have to have it schematically, of course, upstairs, 
not only does your playbook have to include the plays, the schemes that Lamar Jackson needs to be able to run and wants to run for you to be successful as a team, but also you need the players to execute said schemes. Do you have those players? Do you have an offensive line built on that? Do you have the players around him to execute that offense correctly? I don't think that the Colts are going to do this, but if you just isolate those two teams, if you say, if, if you told me, hey, Lamar is going to either the Patriots or the Colts, okay? The Colts seem a lot more realistic to me than the Patriots because the Colts are in more of a desperation mode. Of, I, I, you could at least talk me into... A team going into the draft, the Colts, okay, hey, we think, you know, we're hearing rumors that Bryce Young might slip, or we think we're going to get, let's, Anthony Richardson. And on draft night, the Cardinals are like, you know what? You didn't meet our offer, and whoever, the Raiders did. The Raiders move up number three spot, they get Anthony Richardson, okay? And then the Colts are like, well, wait a minute. <laughs> Do we, maybe they don't like Will Levis. Maybe it's a quarterback desperate team. I could see being a lot more likely to be like, it's a big overhaul to bring in Lamar, but that's better than playing another year with a quarterback carousel. Then I could see, I don't see Bill Belichick doing it. Yes. You know what I mean? Because Bill Belichick's got his ways and they have worked a lot. Yes. No, I agree. I agree with you on that one right there. But uh, once again, to say, we're just going to go get Lamar Jackson or we're just going to pivot to Lamar Jackson. You're talking about, how's your cap space? How you doing, cap wise? Right room, now, yeah. You better. You, this we're talking about a guy who wants a fully guaranteed contract worth two hundred fifty million or more. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> hey, but somebody will pay it for a quarterback. Like some dude who's going to walk. I'm not saying that's not going to be the case, but some dude who's going to walk in to to the office and just say, "Let's just pivot to Lamar Jackson." <laughs> Person, just, you know, I've got an idea, guys. Clear out your lunch schedule yes, and go get Lamar. This is what we're, you know, now again, if you're capable of doing it, that's awesome. I get it. Yeah, there might be some teams out there just pivoting to Lamar Jackson, but you've got to think about it. This takes a little planning, I think, for the most part with Lamar. Uh, text us your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. When we come back, have the officials gotten in the Suns' heads? And I'm not just talking about yesterday. We'll get into that next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke Middays, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Pretty fitting music right here for what we're about to talk about. <laughs> By the way, if you want to get fired up for a football game, smear the eye black on and, I don't know, run down the field and just destroy somebody's sternum, this is a pretty good tune to do it to. Sternum destroying music? <laughs> Should be the name of an Alice in Chains album. And as he's on the ground, don't mind getting up and standing over him for just a second as he wheezes. So, the free throw discrepancy yesterday. <laughs> right? By the way, Basin audience, I'm only saying that because I was once, more than once, the guy that was on the ground wheezing. I don't think you minded it. <laughs> I think you were just fine. I think you were just fine if two people ran into each other, whether you ended up standing over or being the person on the ground. 
So the free throw discrepancy yesterday, just as the the backdrop to this, uh, what Oklahoma City attempted thirty six, the the Suns attempted twenty four. Okay, that, that's the difference. But that that to me, if you're just looking at raw numbers, not the flow of the game, that happens. That 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 to me is not Miami attempting twenty six and the Suns attempting five, or Giannis attempting more than the entire Suns team. And not only that, it was I, I believe three attempts higher than what the Suns' average actually is for the season. So yes, well, look at you bringing in these like, that, metrics. Come on, here we go. Now SGA attempted nineteen on his own, and Devin Booker attempted eight. I mean, isolated incident. I think that these are numbers that you just bring up because you're looking for something to complain about, right? However, <laughs> as it's been well documented, the the free throw attempts in a lot of Suns games this season have been greatly skewed towards the other team. And we talked about that last week, Wolf. And to a certain extent, it is something that you got to figure out how to make that not happen in the playoffs. But my bigger concern, because we keep hearing about it after games, is that the officials are in the sun's head. And it doesn't matter on March 20th, but I don't want to be sitting here on April 20th being like, hey, the Suns are down 2-1 in the series, and they the other team shot 20 more free throws in Game 3, and the Suns seem rattled. You know what I mean? That's, yeah. that's what you want to avoid. No, you definitely want to avoid that. You don't want to play any sport. You don't want to go out there and ball out in any sport and think the officials have it out for you. You don't, you don't want that to be a conscious thought in any way, shape, or form. And that's the problem with it right now. It kind of feels that way, that the Phoenix Suns are, are well, letting the officials actually get into their head. Now, can I just say this, too? Can I just say this? This is something that I think they're also plowing the road a little bit as they head into the postseason. It's, you know, it's a dicey situation. Like they're trying to send a message. Because sometimes it will blow up in your face. It will backfire on you sometimes. But other times, hey, listen, if you're out there saying this is unacceptable, you've got to be kidding me. You're, you're really trying to plow the road for, oh, I don't know, Devin Booker getting to the line a whole lot more in the postseason. Well, Maybe you're trying to... Call attention to it right now. So everybody out there in the basketball universe will see it and say, this this is not right, what is going on. It's a subliminal message to the officials and to the association. And it wouldn't be the first time that's been done. I think I'd be more comfortable, just me, if they were doing it in a specific series and something had happened in Game 2 and they were sending the message for Game 3 or whatnot. Because here, I got so much audio here, I'm not going to be able to play it all. But that in itself... <laughs> kind of proves the point. This is Monty Williams after the game yesterday. We just keep following. You know, he ends up with 19 free throws. I mean, he draws contact. I could sit here and complain about whatever the the complaint is, but um, we just we got to be able to put our hands up and, and live with him shooting over top. You know, from the field, he was 12 for 24, so it wasn't like he had one of those crazy, crazy nights, but we just allowed them to get into a rhythm defensively because we gave up so many free throws. He had 19 of them. And so it's just something that we have to get better at. We've been talking about it for a while. We're one of the worst teams in the league when it comes to fouling. And we, we have to correct it. Just what did you say to the guys afterwards? After that, that they had control of the game. Yeah, we had control of the game, but the, the turnovers that led to points and the fouling. 
you know, that, that's a huge separator. They had more turnovers than us, but they converted. And um, the fouling is just something that we got to we have to figure out. Okay, now again, that's one game. And that's Monty Williams being asked, you know, a version of a question that's going to lead him down that path. However, Wolf, here's here's some other ones just from the last week. Okay, this is Monty Williams after the Sacramento game on the 11th. We just kept fouling them. I mean, they had 37 free throws. I think that's a lot of free throws, and it was a physical game. So it's like, what do you do? Am I supposed to get up here and say something crazy and then get a fine and then come back tomorrow and say, oh, I'm human? I don't need to do all that. It's pretty obvious that there were some calls that didn't go our way and there were a number of calls that went their way. Here's uh, Chris Paul after the Bucks game. How hard is it to overcome those kind of numbers in a game like this? Like the finals. Are you cool? I don't know. Try to figure it out. Um, here's 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 Monty wow. after the Bucks game. And again, I'm not saying they're wrong. In fact, they're right in a lot of these. But I'm, this is like a fraction of the clips I have just from the last week. Look, man, it, it, it's the oldest. It, it's I just did it the other day, right? Like I can sit here and go through what all of you guys already know. You know what I'm saying? You just got to put my name on the quote. You saw it. It's it's just it's not fair. Book has three free throws, I think. And Drew Holiday is one of the most physical defenders in the game. He got he has three. Giannis has twenty four free throws. It's ridiculous. There's no other way to put it. It's just our guys are fight. Da can't play. You know when a guy just runs into you the whole game. It's like we've dealt with this so many times with this team. And credit to him, he, he saw the way the game was being called. He kept doing it. But that's hard to swallow when one guy had, and this has happened a number of times when we played them. And so for me, it's like it's hard to tell our guys to keep their level of poise because that's frustrating. You know what I'm saying? And they beat us, make no mistake about it. But that, that's a hard one to swallow. And it's happened too many times. Boy, you can just hear it right there in Monty. It's just, he's done. I've he's got, done with this. This is all from the last eight days, and I've got cuts here. I'm not going to play them. From Booker, from Aiton, another one from Chris Paul, James Jones. There's another Monty in there. I'm not going to play any more, but you get the point. Yeah, <laughs> so you wonder, you wonder what they are doing right now because they are talking an awful lot about it. Uh, is it with a purpose? Are they trying to say, hey, listen, everybody, look over here. Adam Silver, please look over here. Do something. Make sure that this is an equitable situation right here. Whenever we play somebody else. You've got guys that are out there. Okay, SGA, I get it. Shea Gilgis Alexander. He's number four in the association. Does that surprise you? Number four in free throw attempts per game. It doesn't when you watch him play, and I'm not trying to take away from him. And and he some guys that just attempt free throws, they're kind of boring to watch. He's not boring to watch. Yes. But it, where I think that this really, truly frustrates Suns fans is it's not that these calls are going against the Suns. It's that Booker isn't getting the same calls. That's where it's really tough. to Because everything these guys are saying in these cuts, yeah. they're not wrong. But yes. it's, it's the fact that the biggest one is that Devin Booker can do the same thing and he won't get the call. Here, here's the interesting thing about it right now when you think about it. Number one is Giannis. 12.6 free throw attempts per game. Okay, Giannis is number one. Only 12. Does that shock you? No. Okay. That one doesn't. You've got Joel Embiid, number two. That doesn't shock me. Okay, Luka Doncic. (laughs) Number three. Yes, it does shock me that it's not 45 attempts a game. Do any of those players actually remind you of D-Buck? 
Because they don't, me. No. When I think of those three guys. But SGA. Uh, SGA is number four. And SGA hasn't league. been in the league nearly okay. as long as Devin Booker. And not only that, but number five, Damian Lillard. Yeah. He's more yeah. along the lines of a Devin Booker right there. Number five. D. Book is 19. He's number 19 in the league that in is free throw attempts. Shockingly high 6. to me. 6.2. And oh, by the way, just for the record, Kevin Durant is 7.2. It. He's number 12. Well, yeah, they need Katie to come back. But in general, I think the Suns are still 26th or 27th in free throw attempts per game as a team. I'm not saying they're wrong. In fact, I think they're right on a lot of what they're saying. My, the bigger concern for are they? Oh, good, they dropped down a spot. My bigger concern is that I don't want this to be a reason they unravel in the playoffs. I hope what you're saying is right that they're trying to send a message to the league right yes. now ahead of time. Help us. Uh, when we come back, we talk a lot about the the number three overall pick for the Cardinals. What are their other needs in this draft? Pro Football Focus gave us uh, a little bit of a, a sneak peek into that, and their pick in the second round might surprise you. That's next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. I believe that uh, C.J. Stroud has actually moved up as the odds-on favorite to be the first pick. Did you see that? No, I did not. I'm, I'm double-checking right now, but I've seen at least in a few places that C.J. Stroud is now the... Uh, wow. For the record, probably who I would take if I were a quarterback desperate team, but um, I'm not a quarterback scout. Yeah, right. So that means nothing. Yeah, it's so fascinating to me, the top two quarterbacks in this draft, at least according to most people. You got C.J. Stroud and you got Bryce Young, those two guys right there. And what I love about that, Basin audience, is Bryce Young is all about the inside. And C.J. Stroud is all about the outside. Yeah, I'm looking right now, okay? I'm gonna, here's, this is interesting. I don't know why I didn't look at this sooner. I have the FanDuel odds for the top six picks in the draft, okay? Okay. The favorite to go number one, and this is kind of a big favorite now, is C.J. Stroud. C.J. Stroud. To go second, well, I shouldn't say this. These, this is all to go one. This is the order. Yeah, okay. Okay, so this is not to go second is Bryce Young. Just second on the list is Bryce Young. Third is Anthony Richardson. <laughs> Fourth is Will Levis. See how desperate teams get? Okay. Fifth is Jalen Carter. Sixth is Will Anderson. Okay, what does that tell you right now? What does that tell you? Teams get stupid when quarterbacks are involved. When when a quarterback is involved, you get desperate, and you will be desperate from time to time. It's, it's something that is undeniable right now. You have to have a quarterback or a guy you think is your franchise quarterback. In other words, what are you doing? You're just out there playing. You're just out there playing. You're wasting. Well, we're waiting. You're wasting time if you don't have that guy. And owners become very, very impatient when they don't have a quote-unquote franchise quarterback. Yeah, because you go into the season knowing deep down, unless you have just a ridiculous rest of your roster, you you know what your ceiling is, and your ceiling's not great. Um it also, though, puts the Cardinals in a pretty good spot. If you're desperate, call the Cardinals, right? <laughs> Sounds like one of those commercials you'll see at like 2 in the morning. Hey, down on your luck, desperate, 
Give Monty Austin for it a call. Well, you need a lawyer? Well, we know exactly who you ought to call. Are you seeing your chances at Will Levis disappear? Call Monty Austin for it right now. He has the number three pick, and he doesn't want it. Yeah, there's no doubt. They're sitting in the catbird seat. We've talked about this many, many times. So, Pro Football Focus did a three-round mock draft. That's where we're starting to get now. We're about a, a month three away. three-round yeah. mock. So, they went three-round mock. They have Panthers taking C.J. Stroud, Texans taking Bryce Young. They have the Cardinals taking Will Anderson with the number three overall pick. Okay, sold. But this is where it gets a little interesting. They have the Cardinals with that second-round pick, which, remember, is still a very high pick. There's there's one less pick in the first round this year because Miami cheated. Yeah. And the Cardinals have the third pick in the second round. So, the 34th overall pick, they have the Arizona Cardinals... Taking a running back, Wolf. Jameer Gibbs out of Alabama. Jameer Gibbs. Jameer Gibbs. Isn't Jameer Gibbs, I, I'm, am I remembering this correctly, isn't he more of a third down back? Well, let me answer that question with this. Jameer Gibbs, running back, Alabama. Gibbs was all SEC last year in his lone season at Alabama in 2022. The 5'9", 199-pound running back ran for 926 yards and seven touchdowns and had 444 receiving yards and three touchdowns. He possesses great speed as he ran a 4'3", 40-yard dash at the NFL Combine. He is light quick on his feet, which allows for sudden lateral cuts, and his route running causes defenses problems if they are in man. He sometimes struggles with decisiveness when it comes to inside runs, and he could improve as a blocker. NFL comp, Saints running back, Alvin Kamara. Oh! <laughs> okay, Alvin Kamara. You know what I just think about running back at number two? That's really, really high. For a team that seems to be raising the floor level right now, building through raising the floor, not the ceiling, I don't know about that one. That doesn't seem to fit. I tell you, if they, if last season had gone according to plan, or they just didn't have a ton of holes on, as many holes on this team as they suddenly do, I like that pick. Because if you just tell me you can have Jameer Gibbs and he kind of slides into the, yeah. like, the old Chase Edmonds role and you have James Conner and Jameer Gibbs, I like it. But to your point, they've got, I don't know, 25 holes on this team. I don't, running back is not at the top of the list. Okay, surely it's not 25. Okay, they I mean, they actually, 25 they're actually holes. like 25 players short of a roster okay, right now, just, so they have real you 25 holes. You were firing for a fact right there. We all know that. I don't know that I was. 25 holes. I mean, if you sit down and you start writing names down, you're going to say, okay, they don't have 25 holes. Well, they had 31 free um, agents and they've signed like two guys. <laughs> so maybe it's 29 holes. <laughs> But I, I I love the fact that Monty Ossenfort, at least in the Monty Ossenfort regime, the Arizona Cardinals have made it clear we're we're drafting for need. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about, best player available. That has changed. They, now all of a sudden it's we are drafting for need. And I like that paradigm shift inside the organization a lot. Because so much of the time you say that, oh, he was the best player available. When really, he, you know what, he, it wasn't that he was the best player available. You had a need there. It yeah. seems funny the way that always worked out. He was the best player available at a position we needed. Exactly. That tends to be. Yes. And it's also, don't forget, this is the most popular one. We should count how many times we hear this on draft night across the league. Oh, we got the guy we wanted all along. Yes. Well, but it, that was the 75th pick in the draft. Yeah, we, yeah. we had him number one on our board. Somehow he dropped 75 spots yeah, of to course. Us. That's, yeah. that's true. Okay. But having said that, <laughs> once again, drafting for need. 
I, I don't know. Uh, third down running back? Yeah, uh, of course that's a need. Uh, you know, a, a guy that is not going to get nearly as many reps as James Conner? Yeah, is, are you going to take him in the second round? I don't know. Maybe you, you maybe you'd be better served taking an offensive lineman uh, at number 34. A guy that may have been a first round pick in years past, but just for whatever reason, fell out of the first round, and there he is at number 34. Maybe a defensive lineman as well. Maybe building that line of scrimmage is where you need to focus. What about this for a plot twist, okay? I hear what you're saying. An offensive line and defensive line, bigger needs. But the Cardinals' depth chart behind James Conner is Corey Clement, Keontae Ingram, Tyson Williams. So not really a lot of proven. I mean, Clements played a little bit, but yeah. uh, and and I like Ingram, but he's not really proven. Um, what if what if you traded and suddenly ended up with like three second round picks, and Jameer Gibbs was there at like forty five or something, mm, and he and sold. he he, <laughs> he I wasn't kind of like your, that idea. He wasn't your second pick of the draft. He was your fourth pick of the draft or something. Yes, no, you, that would be that would be wonderful right there if in fact they could do that and i think that honestly is something that would interest you would imagine would interest monty Ossenfort. we all suspect that he learned an awful lot from the new england patriot experience how many years 15 years inside the organization 15 years inside the new england patriots organization you would imagine he does value the trade down and everybody whispering, of course, all the rumors that are out there as to what the Arizona Cardinals could do. That is an assumption that you hear repeated over and over and over again, that the Arizona Cardinals are looking to do that very thing. Now, will that mean number three overall? They'll trade out of getting a guy like Will Anderson? I don't think so. Really? Okay. I don't think so. I, I'm fine with that. If they I, just want to I draft Will Anderson, shocked. I'm good with that. But you can see sort of how it would work. You you could trade the third pick for the seventh pick, feasibly take Tyree Wilson or whoever at the seventh pick. and You're going to love him, though. You have you to do. love him. But the part of that equation is then with your first pick in the second round, you can take an offensive lineman, and then you might be able to draft a Jameer Gibbs 10 picks later because you got that pick in the trade. And I would assume more than just that, probably a second rounder next year and a first rounder next year, something like that. I don't know. But uh, but you can just you can see the myriad of options that Monty Ford has in front of him right now. Myriad. I don't know where that That's word came so from, good. but I know it's. I know I somehow used it right. It's like Will Ferrell in old school where he blacks out for a second. Would you also say plethora? I wouldn't dare. Alright, coming up next, uh, we'll go through all the top stories uh, of the day in one place. Wolf and Down Your Lunch is next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.